welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars. Welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by Jacqueline Rendell, podcaster, musician, audiobook narrator. Um, Jacqueline first hopped on my radar by way of her podcast, Post Postmodern. And as we'll talk about in this episode, which is such a juicy one, um, I was really struck in her podcast by the frequency of her transmission um, in terms of the dignity and softness and compassion and kindness 
um, with which she was speaking to, you know, some really tough truths that we're all dealing with in our culture. Um, and full transparency, Jacqueline helps me out behind the scenes with my own podcast. And as I knew from um, personal exchange that we'd been having that she had gone through one of those oh so unfun uh, ideological friend breakups that I'm sure most if not everyone listening to slash watching this podcast has endured themselves and she turned it into the most beautiful deep powerful penetrating art and so I had Jacqueline on to talk about the experience of losing friends over ideology, the path that she's walking as someone who knows what's going on in the world, um, is not willing to compromise her truth to go along. We talk about the creative process, songwriting, music, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a good one. Definitely worth, um, worth making a cup of tea, getting yourself comfy, cozy, and dropping in with us. Before we dive in, I am reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment, all of those tiny efforts from you, those little bits of caloric expenditure go a massive way in um, giving my podcast more reach, um, in convincing the algorithm to expose me to more and more eyes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm also reminding you that this podcast is divided into two parts. So the first half of this podcast and most every one of my podcasts are free for the listening public on all of the audio podcast platforms um, and free in video form on my locals and YouTube channels. The second half of my podcast conversation is reserved for my paying supporters on both locals and Patreon, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half conversations, plus lots of bonus content. Um, you get first notice of and special discounts on courses, live events, workshops, webinars, et cetera, et cetera. So choose the platform of your choice, links down below, Patreon, Locals, or both. And when you support me there, then you get all the extra cool stuff. I'm also reminding you guys, I'm, I'm just thinking of the timing when this is gonna drop. Um, so we are recording this on August 7th. Yes, it is the 7th. And I want to give you guys a heads up that the Gene Keys community, of which I am a part, is about to launch a very special retreat called the Dreamark Initiation Retreat. Um, that starts, I believe it's the 17th, 18th of September. So there is time for you to sign up. There's an early bird discount that goes on until the very end of August. It's a three month online retreat. Um, as I've said before, the Gene Keys are one of the most magical transmissions and gifts that have come into my life because it allows me to consciously evolve without needing to attract drama in my life, without needing to hurt myself or get myself into a really uncomfortable pickle. Um, it's a pathway that allows me to heal trauma, to come into right relationship with shadows um, in a really loving, <laughs> compassionate way with community. This particular retreat um, is very right brain oriented. It has very much to do with our dream time, our emotions, our expression, our intuition. It's magical, it's mystical, mystical and I myself am going to be taking it. So as you are interested in signing up for this, 
I encourage you to use the affiliate link that is listed in the show notes. Sharing is caring, caring is cool. We will both get to do the retreat together. Okay, I believe that does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with the lovely Jacqueline Rendell. I want to talk to you about and this song that you sent me like you know what it's like where you have relationships with people and they're also artists and then you develop your relationship and then at some point they're like read my book listen to my song see my play whatever and you're just like okay and you're just like I just hope it doesn't suck and I played your song <laughs> and I was like oh wow this is amazing. Thank you. So I just want Thank to acknowledge you. like you're a real deal songwriter. You're a real deal Thank musician. You. I had Thank known you. you as a podcaster. I had known that you do audiobook narration. So I know there's all this stuff with voice, but yeah. it really hit me when I got your song like, oh wow this is a very special musical creature who i've been engaging with and i had no idea oh, thank you and i do understand what you mean because <laughs> you know i'm such a snob when it comes to a lot of music and art and the chances of me liking what someone else is doing it's not very big exactly. so I, I completely get that and i and I don't like everything. So I don't expect everyone to like what I'm making. I'm okay with that. But, you know, it's really interesting because I had my decode last Monday with Logan for three hours. And it was my charts. It was my numerology. It was my tarot cards. It was all of it. Oh, wow. And like without him even knowing me, it was all about communicating with my emotions through my, with my light and my love into my art and my music. It's like, that is my purpose here. And it, and I'm very, I need, I'm very sensitive to injustice. I'm, I, I'm a, I'm, integrity is very important to me. And these are the songs I've been writing my whole adult, for 30 years, I've been writing songs with these messages. So it's funny now that this time we're in, my whole life now makes sense like in a whole new way. It's, and it's like, I intuited my purpose and I've always followed it. And I've, and I've two steps forward, one step back, you know, and, but now I know this is why I'm here. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So let me, let me catch the audience up a little bit. Um, so I was first turned on to your genius through your podcast, Post Postmodern. And I was really struck, I mean, to be clear, I have Aries rising, Mars and Aries, Aries moon. So there's a lot of self-referential, like annoyingness about my lens of perception. What I noticed in your podcast was how we're both speaking to a lot of the same issues and you're speaking with such kindness, such a quiet, beautiful, feminine, dignity. And what I noticed was that because of your delivery, I was really able to hear 
your message in a way that I think a lot of people can't hear mine because mine's so like, you know, a sledgehammer through plate glass. So I'm curious to know, like, has that come naturally to you? Is that something you've cultivated? Like, I'd like to know a bit about the podcast Post Postmodern and this approach you have that's so unique. Thank you. Um, definitely not always been my way. Admittedly, I, like you, I see an injustice. I see something wrong. I go to my masculine. I get frustrated. I get angry. I, I, my voice gets shrill. I, I, I get, fr I'm speaking from impassioned frustration and I'm not heard. And in my last relationship, that really became clear. And I, I felt an imbalance in my feminine and masculine. And I, I, I think through doing audiobooks and doing a lot of guided meditation books and becoming more connected to my voice. And when I'm, when I'm speaking in a way that's suitable for an audiobook, I like how that feels and I like how that sounds. And it, it, there's something about that quality of my voice that I learned resonated with people. And so I'm trying to combine the being really passionate about certain topics and wanting to express myself, but not wanting to turn people away and not wanting to be misunderstood or not heard or, or create a reactive response. And so that's something that I've really, I've really had to work at. And I started the post postmodern podcast because I created a channel on Telegram as a way to just, I'm inputting so much information all the time. It was my way of putting something back out. And in a, in, in a community area where I felt like it was my tribe, I was able to be freely expressed with these people without causing a reaction and being understood. Mm -hmm. And so from the channel and me posting things that I was inspired by, and I am committed to staying on the love frequency, you know, that is definitely something that I've always been committed to, um, then I decided to give a try with this podcast and I've only done three. <laughs> like, I'm very bad with consistency. And I think the thought in my head often is who cares what I have to say, you know? And so I stopped myself. Yeah. But your response was really beautiful and nutritious for me. And maybe it is something I'll pick, but, but then again, I, I, the music is where it's at for me. So and I get like now I get that like I, I completely get that because I in my mind like you were a podcaster and I know you do audiobooks so there was a lot of stuff with the voice and I also want to address like me listening to your podcast had an effect on me obviously I'm still I'm still sledgehammering through glass but it definitely caused a pause in me and it, uh. it allowed me to see the value um in attuning to a softer delivery. Like it really, it really stopped me in my tracks hearing uh -huh. how you did it. And I haven't heard anyone in the space doing it that way because I think so many of us are driven by anger, by outrage, by passion, which I understand, but I like that you've taken that extra step into like, how are others going to receive me? Um, which sometimes for me, like the rage is just so loud that I'm not thinking of those things. And then it's like, well, then this is just like indulgent and masturbatory and it's, there's not a method to the madness. 
I totally get that. I also, and I know you, you do as well. I also play the frequency game, you know, and I'm very clear on if I'm reflecting the nuttiness with anger, which I see a lot in the the freedom community, whatever you want to call it. To me, that's just, that's more of that same frequency. And so we really have to transmute and elevate before we put it back out there or else we really are just even with, and you know, this with language, you know, if we're using the word, you were using the word trans for your example, the other day, we it's, and this is something it's funny. I've always written about this being deliberate about what you want to reflect is the game and not everyone's really playing that and that's okay, but I want to, you know, and, and I believe in that having a power that transcends um, anything else. You know, I think the frequency that underlies your message is really powerful. And um, so I think that's what really inspires me to maintain it and do the heavy lifting to maintain it. My alignment comes first and then I act and then I speak and then I write, you know, And is that very, is that like an in the moment immediacy where like you have an inspiration to write a song, to record a message and then checking yourself as to where my frequency, like, is it that kind of moment to moment for you? I guess it's different with songwriting because often songwriting is the tool. It is the catharsis to move through an emotion. So that's maybe separate there. I don't really want to do away with that emotion. I want to work with it. Right. Uh, But even just in my day to day, if I wake up and I notice I'm a little grumpy because I see some lines in the sky, which admittedly is a big trigger for me. um, I work on not, I won't ride my bike until I've got myself sorted until I've dealt with that reaction, you know? Um, So when it comes to writing a song, I feel like the emotions are really valuable. And in fact, they will, they're going to inspire an authenticity and a, and a relatedness for people to listen to that song. And so in that area, I'm good. I'm good to feel the pain. I'm good to feel whatever it is and, and have that inspire the songwriting. I really appreciate that distinction because, and I know so many people say like music saved my life. Um, I'm definitely one of those people. And it is like this kind of free pass for emoting and letting it all out and having that, um, you know, like this shared experience. I just, I'm a fan of Spotify. I feel silly saying that. I know a lot of people have issues with Spotify, but I will say like their algorithm has brought a lot of wonderfulness into my life and it put a new song by the smile on my podcast. Do you know the smile? No. It's um so it's Tom York of Radiohead. It's one of his side projects. Right. Song came on and I was just like, is he wait, I think he's singing my life. I sing I think he's <laughs> singing my experience. And it hadn't like I hadn't crystallized it into words as to why I was feeling dysregulated, sad, angry, whatever. And there was just this permission. And I've had that song on 24 seven repeat for the past three days because it is that permission. Like, oh, I can scream this out because, you know, someone else put it to music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting tears in my eyes. I mean, it's music is it's 
I don't, it's magic, you know, and it is such a powerful force. And I, I know, I know that feeling really well. Yeah. And it's funny now, you know, I'm at that age now where I'm starting, like I say, it's like looking backwards and so much of my life makes sense now that I'm looking through this lens also, again, getting my decode, getting my charts, all that stuff. Um, but it's, I think it's how I've often allowed myself to really feel and get in touch with things. And I'm not really good. I'm an introvert. So I, I really like solitude and I really like being on my own. Um, and I think it's, it's been a way for me to more accurately communicate how I feel and what's going on. Just sit me at a piano and listen, and then you'll get where I'm at versus having a verbal conversation. So, yeah. I love that you have that. I've always been so envious of musicians to have that particular realm of expression. And I do want to get into the song that helped inspire today's podcast, but I want to tiptoe into it. I'm curious to know, because I know so many people who are watching this are going to so relate, but I want to know about your, your process of cluing into the sham show and when it was that you stepped away from consensus reality or, or clued in to what was going on? Well, it's been a long, lonely road, Danny. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, to use an overused phrase, my, my first red pill came at a really early age. I was 18. I followed the herd to university, even though I had no idea what I was going to do there. I was like, I guess this is what real people do. I'll, I'll go. Right. And in the first summer, I went to London, Ontario. I went to Western um, in London, Ontario. And I stayed there for the summer. And I got a job at Greenpeace. You oh. know, this SJW in the making. You know, I had to go change the world. And so I was canvassing door to door one day with this guy named Mark Patterson. And he recommended I read a book called Diet for New America. And it's all vegan propaganda. However, uh, for me... It caused this huge paradigm shift and it was a very painful read because unlike a lot of people, I'm okay to take on different ideas. You know, up until then, I hadn't thought about my food at all. It was a total blind spot for me. And so I, I, I read this book and it stripped away my whole belief system and it tore me apart and it revealed how the world works behind the veil of what we're presented with. And for example, the first thing I learned was the four food groups that we're told is the nutritional basis for every diet right. was a marketing plan between the cattle industry and the government lobbying to get more of their products sold. So it, it taught me what lobbying was and it taught me that things aren't always what they appear to be and follow the money and all of that. And I've never stopped. So fast forward 20 years. Did it turn you vegan? Yeah. Okay. 26, 26 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I eat eggs now. I, again, I stayed open. I've, I've continued to entertain listening to nutrition. I mean, we're always learning new things. Totally. I want to age optimally. I would listen to podcasts with a vegan debating a carnivore. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. Like yeah. I would just, I just want to know what's the truest thing. Yeah. Like, because to me, that's not causing harm. It's, right. It ties in like my only politics is do no harm. Mm. So if I'm unaware of how my choices are affecting things, how can I know if right. I'm causing harm or not? So 
anyway, I, um, <clears throat> I sit, I now eat eggs and I, and again, I, and the other thing I learned from going vegan was how lame and useless labels are because they just stick you in a box and ultimately you become a hypocrite. And so calling myself a vegan, I abandoned that within the first couple of years because I don't do clubs. I, I you know, like, like we were doing with your podcast the other day, I will make choices, but I'm not that thing. I'm Jacqueline who is eating this. I'm not a vegan, right. you know? Right. I, 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 I was very sensitive to how lame that felt. <laughs> so, so I learned a lot from that experience and how dangerous these ideologies are and how tribal people are and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward, I mean, I knew what was coming. And the moment that this this whole COVID thing landed, I knew what it was. So, but I'd been, I've been very, was it just like recognizing the markers? Were you clued into something was coming? Like, yeah, well, I knew about the agendas, you know, the UN agendas. I knew, I knew about the guidestones. I knew about like kind of the classic archetypal, like, you know, gems you find along the way where you're like, something's going on. I knew about the Kalergy plan and the Barcelona declaration and the the migration happening in Europe and all of that. I've been tracking that a little bit. Yep. And I think for me, because I've been collecting so many dots over the years, I had a pretty clear puzzle together, yeah. not with all the pieces, but it was pixelated enough that I could connect all of these things together. Nice. Whereas there's a lot of people even now, they don't see how this dot connects to this dot because they're so far away. You've got a couple more to put in here, you know? So, um, and if you do see that, then you're crazy and you're the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm used to that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I got to say, I celebrate the fact that I've been, I've been alone in my seeking for my whole adult life, you know, minus the random coming across someone you meet at a bar and then you have a five hour conversation where you're like, you too, you know about this. Right. I'm not alone, but the past couple of years has just connected me to more and more and more people. Yeah. So I actually feel like I have more friends now than I've ever had of yeah. a quality that I've never had yeah. of a depth, you know? Yeah. So as much as there's been loss, there's been a lot gained. And are those friends local to your environment? Are they virtual? Is it both? Good question. So I went through a breakup from a 10-year relationship two years ago, June, June 2021. I left Toronto where I was for 16 years. I left a house I was in for 12 years and I left a relationship I was in for 10 years. And I moved to the home of my birth, the city of my birth. And I basically started my life over again in the midst of a lockdown where I wasn't allowed to go anywhere or enter buildings. So how do you make friends in a new city when you're not going to a bar or a cafe or so I went on Telegram and I've managed to connect, yes, with a lot of local groups. And I've been going to meetups in person. Nice. And then, of course people like you, there's people everywhere, you know? So, but I am grateful. There are, there are some local people that I can hug, (laughs) actually hug and say anything to. Yeah. Like that, 
I value that almost more than anything. I, you know, I was in a relationship where I, I wasn't fully expressed. There was a backlash to me being me. Yeah. So now, I mean, that is my new standard. I'm like, if I can't just say anything, like, I don't know what shape the, the earth is. Like, I don't know. Right. How yeah. would we know? How would we have seen it? <laughs> it sounds so crazy to some people, but for me, that's just scientific. It's like, I don't have empirical evidence, you know, but I love that now my friends are, it's, we can say anything to each other. It, it really is the beauty of this giant heartbreak, which I know we're going to go deeper into. And, you know, I had clues. I'd started, Emily and I, have been podcasting together for five years and started podcasting. I was in LA and I was rooted in like rooted. I was part of the spiritual community, but as has been my way, like I didn't quite fit in. Like I was a little too punk rock and said, fuck too many times, a little, you know, too conspiratorial. But then for like the East side, you know, like kind of punk rock artists, I was also a little too spiritual and always talking about astrology, you know? So I just kind of like moved in and out. And Emily said to me at one point, she's like, you know, the people you think are your people are not your people. Um, And it stuck with me. And I I made a pivot then that was more like branding and realizing it, it was the conspiracy, you know, truth people who were embracing me more. And what i have realized is that like we have all had to fight for our beliefs and our integrity and to just stand in what we know is true so a lot of us are disagreeable a lot of us are difficult um yep contrarian we're contrarian you know and we're contrarian with each other because it can be like a knee-jerk thing and it just i feel like we accept one another in our totality because that's what we're starved for. And we're also seeing life so multidimensionally, you know, we're operating with a lot of, you know, on a lot of levels. And so there's a lot of permission for our totality. I find with this community that is so healing and just so supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And what a gift right? Like it would be great if we were all like living in the same city, but you know, like (laughs) we could go have a pint somewhere or something, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take, I'll take this. Yeah, totally. That's the one piece, you know, and I was talking to one of our people who lives, you know, several states and time zones away from me. And I was like, when I meet you in person, they're going to have to pry me off of you with a crowbar. <laughs> so hard. I'm never going to want to let go. <laughs> it's amazing, right? And it's it's love. It's so it's so amazing how it. Yeah, it is. It's unconditional love because we've all walked through this fire together yeah. and extended so much trust to one another that those who we thought were our closest people did not extend to us and in fact you know treated us quite differently and i know you yes. had a recent like really painful experience about this so i'd love to know a little bit about the experience and then how you yeah. made you know solid gold lemonade out of shitty lemons <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I just want to say one thing before that. The other thing I think that's interesting is because we've all had to anchor so deeply within ourselves because we have stripped away so much of the external reliance on a sense of safety, that's also just grown us into unconditionally loving who we are ourselves. It's like, I have to be my, I've got my own back now. And so meeting other people on that level just really elevates that connection too. Um, I so- I I do want to speak to that. We're going to come to it, but it's so true because it's like, we don't have to worry about micromanaging their triggers or emotions. We're all way past that, which allows us to truly relate and not take things personally and not look for reasons to demonize one another, which is such a big deal. And it's reminding me of something else you said, oh, about, the strategies you use, like if you wake up in a shitty mood and you get yourself, you know, centered before getting on your bike or before recording or whatnot, how um, I can't speak for for the segments of our population who've bought into certain narratives, but I know for all of us, I know for myself, this has demanded my growth and evolution in a way that nothing in this earth walk has and it continues to and you know that's what i'm getting from hearing you speak about you know the frequency of our delivery and realizing oh right that's a space where there's i'm still being invited to do more work and it it is like an evolve or perish moment because i don't think you can walk the walk that we're walking um without really being on top of ourselves i i realized pretty quickly during lockdown like Oh, that old school, like reactive, um, like ragey behavior pattern when people try to tell me what to do could get me and put me in prison right now. So I better get on top of that real quick. And it's, it's just been this like hyper accelerated, like heal that, heal that, heal that, heal that. And it seems like we're all in that conversation. And there's also a lot of compassion and empathy for that because it's not easy. No, it's Uh, not. And, and. And don't you find that at this tier, there's just less and less people doing it. And, and so it, it isn't, a, it's a weird life. You know, it's, it's, it's almost this, I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's a paradox to it. Almost there's less and less people that you can share your company with that get you. So in a sense, it's lonelier, but at the same time, you're just, you're so much more full and whole being in the world that that's okay. And, and yeah, it it is, it does make us do the work, you know? Yeah. And I love it. And the other thing I love is it's always been the same work. It's nothing's really changed. Yes. External circumstances are clownier and nuttier and like, but the work is still the same, you know, it's our, our work it's, it's still the same. So I find comfort in that. I find a lot of grounding in that, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I like following my thoughts and notice. And then again, the clearer you get, the more discerning you are when something has shifted inside of you, the more easily you can track it back to what the root is and just deal with it, you know, and then it's done. And it's, so it's the same stuff, you know, and a lot of it I've noticed for me is letting go of what I cannot control. Yeah. It's, I can control what I create. 
So it's, it's, it's put these blinders and it, and, and I'm never going to be apathetic. I care. I care so much that I'm not going to get entwined in stuff I can't control. Everything is a distraction and we're hip to that. So it really is, where are you going to put your focus? You know, and I, I love my life and I want to make it count and that it's my life. It's my birthright to live a life I love and that I feel is purposeful. So I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to waste it complaining about these psychopaths who, who won't hear me, you know, but if they, if they don't feed off me, at least I can control that. Yeah. And I think that's a piece that I think a lot of us are still, you know, straddling, figuring that out of like, well, railing against, you know, the psychopaths is still being in relationship with the psychopaths and still allowing them to drive our ship to some extent. Yes. Reaction. Um, And it's, yeah, I think the stakes are higher for the work where it's like, no, it has to be done now. Um, I'm not willing to to give up my freedom for it and realizing, you know, the also just like realizing how big a mess this is, which I started to clue into several years ago when I started to wake up, but it's like, oh, it's even, it's even crazier on this planet than I (laughs) thought. Um, And realizing more and more where, you know, something minor is actually contributing to it or creating some sort of entanglement to it. Yeah. So I see that. And I also do see, you know, I just had tea with a friend of mine before um, coming here to hop on our Zoom. And it was such a nourishing exchange. That's what I really get from, you know, the people in this conversation where as before, I think I might've thought I had more friends, but looking back, you know, as I do on the friendships that have gone away, it's like, well, were they really meaningful friendships? Like, what were we talking about? What were we really doing? And realizing maybe they were more like snacking on Pringles instead of having like a really well-rounded meal that nourishes me, you know, for longer, sustains me in a different way. Yeah. And I do think we have relationships that are out of habit. They're born out of habit, just like some clothes you wear. And sometimes you have to check in. Do I still like this? Like, am I wearing it? Do I still like the shirt? I, I, you know, just because you've had it around forever doesn't mean you have to keep wearing it. And, and, you know, maybe I'm sounding flippant about people, but I do really see that they're the same. And as we grow naturally, we are going to outgrow some habitual friendships, you know, and, whether you end them or not, it's, 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 it's for me, I find it okay to clean house. I really do. You know, I'd rather have quality over quantity and I'm clear on that now. So that's a good segue maybe. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Great segue. So uh, what motivated this particular song? I was in a band in Toronto starting 2017. I joined a band and I was a keyboard player. And they were all, they were cool. It was like post-punk. Um, the guitar player, Peter, came to meet me at a bar in Toronto and we talked and he interviewed me and we decided we really liked each other. So he, they hired me for the band. So around this same time, 2016 was when, in my opinion, the shit got crazier after that election. Then there was the Women's March and then just 
in my world, things took a real big turn because up until that point, no one gave a shit when anyone's politics was. We were all just one big community hanging out. Then after that election, that changed. Yeah. But I was the only one in my friend. So how do I say this in as few words as possible? I've always been, I guess, a lefty because I hold values that are very liberal, you know. And again, I'm not a political person in the sense that I care about politicians. I care about issues. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, you know, free speech and free expression and owning property, all of these things are pretty standard. But what I started to notice was I didn't change, but my lefty liberal friends started getting a little weird and starting getting censorious and, and correcting language. And, and, you know, and, and I noticed too, none of them were really doing any research. They were just regurgitating what the group think was, and that's never been my style. And so slowly and gradually, as I started studying, you know, and I admittedly, I did listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson. I went and saw him twice in Toronto in 2016 and 2017, because for me, he was a beacon of reason. He was this professor who came along and he took a stand against some nonsense because of whatever reason. I thought, wow, well, I like this guy saying, I'm going to go see him. And so it started to create a little bit of issues between me and my partner at the time, who's an actor. Hold on. I do have a question. How did you respond when friends started to correct your speech? I think at that time, who I was, was more interested in keeping the peace. Mm -hmm. And I was also muddled with confusion about what it was because woke was still not really understood by me. It wasn't on, it was, it was just starting to show up in my, right? So I knew there was this disruptive, like I like the nothing analogy from the never ending story. Like this dark cloud was on the horizon and it was starting to seep into my everyday, but not to the point that I had distinguished what it was yet. Right. So, from, you know, for example, there was, I don't know if you know Camille Paglia. Yeah. Okay. Love so her. she had said something really interesting, which was at the end of every great civilization, trans or um, androgyny starts to become more predominant. Right. There's a blur between male and female. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting, and she's a hist, like she studied this stuff. So she yeah. knows. Yeah. So I messaged that to who I thought was my friend, a girlfriend that I had. And I said, isn't this interesting? Because I'm starting to know it's coming up a lot more in our culture. She made this point interesting. And then she texted me back saying, that is very hateful, Jacqueline. What? So I was like, what? What? No, I'm just sharing something this scholar has studied and determined. So I was like, that, that's strange. And then the Colin Kaepernick thing happened. And this same friend and I went out for lunch and she was all about it. She was all about him taking a knee. And, you know, and I, at that point, I'd listened to a lot of Abraham as well. Like I've done all this self-help stuff. So I, she knew that I was never into the victim mindset. I'm like, you create your reality. So I said, you know what? We can agree to disagree. I think the fact that he's made it and he's 
he's a black American and he's made it. He's a football guy. He's making all this money. He's successful. Why doesn't he take a stand saying, look, if I did it, you can do it. Why doesn't he take an empowering stand and inspire people? And she got so angry with me. So I, I came home and I texted her. And I said, look, we can agree to disagree. I said, I hope our differences of opinion don't ruin our friendship. That's the last I ever heard from her. So did she re- even respond to the text? She said, she said, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we can still be friends. Now, again, she was 12 years younger than I, which put her at like, you know, 30, 28 around. So that generation gap alone is enough in the indoctrination going on, right? Totally. She was just, she was right in it. Yeah. So again, all of this. So then in my relationship, you know, my partner being an actor, his friends and, and caring what people think, not able to really take a stand, you know, actors are chameleons. They don't have a lot of conviction because their success determines is determined by pleasing other people. Right. Stand here, say this, look this way, do this thing. It's, so he's hearing from all his friends that I'm alt-right and I'm, I'm, there's something wrong with me. So fast forward, I go to a, um, a Jordan Peterson's. I just have to pause on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So people were talking about you behind your back and making these assessments and ascribing labels to you that totally were not true. Like that's it's what, what, it's what the left wing, and this is a problem with these echo chambers. It's what the left propaganda machine was saying about people like me. I mean, it's all very clever. And so they don't know to challenge that because they think they're getting the news. Was your partner standing up for you and saying, no, that's not actually true? Oh, man, we could talk for hours about this. (laughs) You know, he came into the relationship with his own trauma and a little aspect of that was not was was not being able to trust me. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we had a bit of an empath narcissist thing going on and had prior to that already, he had trouble trusting me. And then all this shit happened. If he knew who I was and if he trusted me and had respect for me, I'm sure that all would have gone a lot differently. But he didn't really know what to think, you know. And then I start talking about the migrant crisis in Europe. And wow, all of a sudden I'm a huge racist. So, you know, it's it was very difficult to talk about a lot of things in my own home. And I just want um, to acknowledge how fucking painful that is. Yeah, it's I, like I just I feel like we need to pause on that because I know everyone listening, most of the people listening will have gone through this. But like if we think of like this is your partner who you're yeah. living with. So you think of like the everyday and of of not being seen to the extent that the people who are closest to us are denying their lived experience of us as the people who are closest to us to instead defer to gossip and indoctrination being spouted by talking heads and people who don't know us. Like, I know we all know this experience and we're all in it, but I think at some point when we're on the other side and have some space, like that is torture. I just find that like so psychologically disturbing that these people, like that anyone 
your 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 partner would think you're a racist because of an idea you hold about migrants like that's just crazy i'm sorry i just wanted to like absolutely and and you're and you're bang on you know and and there was uh, so one member i'll go back to the band one member of the band the singer ega she invited she was doing a sociology degree at U of T. So she invited me to go to a salon with her sociology professor one day. And the topic was Jordan Peterson. So I said, sure. She said, I think it would be good to have a voice that supports him there. And I said, okay. So this was 2017, 2018. And I show up and there's about 10 of us and we go around the table and these are university students introducing themselves. Hi, my name is Scott. I'm a Marxist and I'm a, I'm a film student. Hi, my name is whatever. And I'm a Marxist and I'm a blah, blah, blah. And it went around the table and it came to me and I said, hi, I'm Jacqueline and I'm a human being. And I'm just into discussing anything and everything. So I, I was alarmed, first of all, at how comfortable they were just labeling themselves Marxist, but that's just the, that's the world we're in right now. So the conversation gets underway. And at one point, I literally said, I am born of a generation and I believe in not judging people by characteristics they didn't choose, but I I prefer to judge people by how they act in the world. That tells me more about a person. The next day, Iga came to band practice and told me that they called me a racist. How could you invite that racist? to the salon. I mean, so much about this is crazy, but the reckless cavalier insanity that allows that word to so easily come off of people's mouths and to attempt to staple it to others. Um, I remember like same time period, 2017, I was doing videos about hate speech and I'm like, calling someone a racist is hate speech. I actually can't think of anything more hateful than that. And I, you know, that did not go well with people in my community, but I can't even believe, because I mean, you and I are of the same generation. Go back 10, 15 years, that word wouldn't be spewed so easily. I can't believe you brought that racist. Like that would stop people dead in their tracks. And it had a whole different vibe. Now that word means like someone has an opinion that I don't agree with. Yes. Yes. And I'm not willing to look at myself. Right. And, and it obviously needless to say it stung, but, and what, but what was so weird about it too, and this will also tie into where we're going with this conversation they pretended as we as we parted ways the night before, as the meeting ended, hugs, shaking hands, nice to meet you, smiling faces, the duplicitousness of the cowardice in these in the people that use these words as weapons is it's astonishing. Yeah. And it may, honestly, it makes it easier to not take any of it personally, because it's almost like I have to pat them on the head and I just think, poor you that you. You're so oblivious to who you are, what you're saying, what you're thinking, what you're doing that I can't take it personally. Yeah. You are an automaton. Yeah. 
but what made that difficult was going home telling my partner and his skepticism that was growing and growing was well what did you do for them to call you that rather than how painful for you jack let me buy you a glass of wine or whatever or hug here's a hug nice in your heart yeah it yeah so you know but again here my lesson to learn and i can clearly see it has been to elevate you know empaths struggle with boundaries I mean, it's the number one lesson. Yeah. It's my capacity for forgiveness, my capacity for absolving, absorbing, you know, abusive language or mistreatment or disrespect is infinite. I can absorb it all because I see the pain body. I know it, there's a difference between your pain body and who you really are. Yeah. And because I can make that distinction, it means that I'm forgiving a lot of stuff that a lot of women would not stand for. So I've had to learn how to really erect those boundaries so that I'm not on repeat and I will not accept that again. And so that's what this chapter is for, for me, it's to really, you know, it's that respect thing. And so, so, so fast forward, I leave the relationship and I mean, and again, the vaccine was a huge issue. It, it, It was a culmination of years of these issues. Right. But that was the last thing for me, because whenever I tried to express my concern, my my viewpoint, I stu- I know more about this topic than anyone I know. I have a thousand bookmarks. I studied like my life depended on it because it did. Right. So, like I studied and I had so, and you know, reading science paper, I'm like, I don't even know what this is, but I'm going to learn so I can discern what move to make here. Although I always knew, but I still wanted to back it up with information Right. that his thing was, well, you know, I don't know about your sources. And I, if I, you know, I just want to go to concerts with my friends. I'm like, okay, well, here we're at an impasse. Because I'm not going to live the next... I knew what was coming, Danny. I knew what was coming. I knew this was not a blip going to go away. I knew it wasn't what they were saying. And I said, I'm not going to live the next couple of years in a household with somebody with these polar opposite views. Yeah. And and I just... I'm not. So, you know, I mean, I love the man, but not going to do it. So... Good for so, you. I, I just want to honor you for that because 10 years in and your lives merge, like it could have been easy to just keep on keeping on. Um, it takes a lot of courage to step yeah. away from that. So I just what really to- helped. Thank you. I'm sorry. Cut you off. No, Thank not you. At all. Thanks for the acknowledgement. Yeah. You know, what really helped was hanging out with a couple of friends prior to the day I decided to do it and feeling the feeling of what it felt like to be in the company of actually an 86 year old friend of mine, Marguerite, who I could say anything to and her, the love in her eyes and her respect for me was not going to change. And the contrast of spending time with her and then being in my home, it was, it was just, uh, you know, I knew what I had to do. Yeah. So, and it was, it was the most painful thing I've gone through, but you know, seasoning. So, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. All character building. All character building. Yeah. So Peter, my guitar player from the band, was the guy who helped me move to my new city. 
And for the past two years, Peter has been coming from Toronto to Hamilton. It's a 45 minute drive. He's been visiting me every four weeks or so to drink a cider and to have a jam. You know, we've been playing music. We've we've been having great hangs. Not ever talking about politics um, because I know I know we're we have different views and I don't care. Let's just make music. Right. I love you. I love you anyway. Like, I don't care. As long as I'm free to choose what I want, I fine. You're an adult. Yeah. Until this one last visit that we had about, you know, a month and a half ago, he, he comes out and he's observed my two year journey of landing in a new city, making new friends, having to sneak into the States to have a date last September because I wasn't allowed to leave the country. How did you do um, without water patrol? <laughs> Uh, I, you know what, you know how I did it. And again, I believe it's frequency, but I studied and I learned, I knew what, I know what my rights are. They, it was all illegal to right. use the arrive can. Okay. So I studied and thanks to telegram and a couple channels on there, like escaping Canada, <laughs> one of my channels, I learned exactly what to say. And I didn't have any fear around it because I'd studied you know, and this is why we do our research. It's so that we we can be informed in our choices and stand in them unwaveringly. And so when I got to the border, the American lady was fine, let me in. We did our things, had a date, and I came back and I knew what to say. And I have to tell you, the two border guys that I interacted with were smiling at me the whole time because I believe they knew it was wrong. And I believe they recognized that I knew what I was doing and that I was upholding something good and important and they supported it. Yeah, it was, it was magical. I just got a huge chill. Like that gives me so much hope because when it comes down to this, as I've said, and I've, you know, I go back and forth in terms of, you know, how optimistic I am or whatnot, but I always feel like it's human beings who are the ones who are enforcing these. And it doesn't matter how insane the lizards are, the fucktards, the powers that were, like we can relate as humans. And then I have had a bunch of experiences where I'm like, I don't even know if these are humans, but that you had that experience, that makes me really happy. Yeah, good. I'm glad it does. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And even my mom saw it. My mom was the one to drive me and, and she saw it too. So she, you know... Anyway, it, it was a beautiful experience. So, and are you and your mom on the same page with stuff? We've made different choices, but she has my back. Nice. I mean, I've always been a weirdo. So, I mean, you know, she's, she's always had to segregate my vegan food from the rest of the family's food. Like, I've always just kind of been the weirdo. Yeah. So, I think she's kind of used to that already. Like, oh, there's Jacqueline just you know, doing her, you know, doing what nobody else is doing. <laughs> so um, well, I ask you an odd question about that, not to interrupt the Peter story, but um, how is it being a weirdo and being so pretty? Like, do you find that you get passes or that people expect you to not be such a weirdo? I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but like, you're gorgeous. Hmm. I can't not talk about Thank it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, Oh man, that's an interesting question. So I've not always been in touch with that. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's so funny, you know, 
I have a, a body issues that I inherited from my parents <laughs> that have actually really diminished my perception of my own beauty. And I've been hiding most of my adult life. So I, I've been oblivious to realizing how people perceive me because I've been so uh, ashamed or embarrassed of, of these flaws that I have that I don't really want to, I, I, I'm happy to tell you one day, but probably not on a podcast at this moment, yeah. but, but I'm done with that shit now. And it's funny because even getting my decode last Monday, it came up. There's, there's a beauty thing in my, in my charts. And even Logan asked me about it. He said, do you, are you using your beauty for, it's a gift, you know? Right. And I, and I said, no, like I haven't opened that gift, you know? And I, cause I feel like it's superficial and I, 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 I want to just, I want to have substance. I don't want to lead with looks. And he said, but if you don't use the gift, it, you, you can still back it up with substance, but right. it's a way to market your art or like a draw attention at least to your existence. Yeah. But I've been hiding. And so I'm, I'm, it's so funny. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm done with that now. So it's kind of tricky to answer your question because I really never as expect or assume that people are perceiving me that way. Mm -hmm. So, Is cause we, yeah. Oh no, please continue. No, I, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Well, it's, I know it's this like kind of third rail that like, you know, our culture has yet to really delve into. It is the first gene key, the first gate in human design is beauty. But I just, you know, I'm thinking back to like Breakfast Club and, and, you know, like at the end when they, you know, Mal, um, Ali Sheedy gets the makeover and it's like, oh wait, the outcast is pretty. Like it's this disconnect. And there is something to beauty that um, it's a thing, it's currency, you know, like we like to pretend it isn't because people who are born with beauty or pretty, like we're supposed to be humble or, or whatnot. But I also, you know, it's generally, there's like this kind of narrative that pretty people aren't the weirdos because pretty people for sure are going to fit in. And I right. was just wondering, since you, I heard you self-identify as a weirdo, if, the, if those were at odds with one another. for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews 
as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo, where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.